0: I'm inside the courtyard of the famous Blue Mosque in Istanbul. You can hear right now number three of the five Arabic calls to prayer which happen every day from mosques around the world with remarkably little variation across centuries or even the Shia-Sunni divide apart from a brief period when the secularists here replaced it with a Turkish version Show Shokono and this is Shiver Down Spine, a podcast about how we make speeches and how they make us. The next three episodes I'm going to be looking at speeches and speechmakers in the countries I'm going through on an overland journey from the Middle East through the Balkans to Western Europe. This episode starts with the role speech and language plays in the Arab street. You just heard the call to prayer in Turkey, and I'll talk to the spin doctor at the heart of Egypt's recent history. But first I'm going to go to Lebanon and the future speechmakers of the region. I'm walking through West Beirut, the Hamra district, uh, with the traffic, (laughs) as you can hear, even more irate than usual uh, due to people trying to get back home before sunset. It's, I think, the fifth day of Ramadan now. Um, And I'm heading to uh, Toastmasters Speaking and Leadership Club. Uh, These Toastmasters uh, are something I've heard of before, um, and I've got to admit, preconceptions a little bit somewhere between a university debating society and some sort of high-powered business coaching for uh, ambitious upwardly mobile suited graduates from international schools Um, but that's that's what I'd be keen to try and find out what is it all about So I'm heading in through the American University of Beirut's campus which is a pretty rare area of greenery in Beirut uh, and inside an aggressively air-conditioned lecture hall and I'm greeted enthusiastically by a young woman called Hadi and handed an agenda as the event incredibly started bang on time. It was mostly undergraduate students and it was meticulously organized with an agenda that had a different name against introductions rules and adjournments so like each point of order was a mini speech all in itself it felt earnest and process heavy yeah but it was also heartwarmingly inclusive with a diverse mix from across lebanon's sectarian divide and an extremely positive and encouraging atmosphere One thing I was a bit sceptical about was whether Toastmasters focuses on content and technique rather than the purpose of a speech. For example, the theme for this session was multitasking, and it didn't seem to matter too much how people interpreted that topic. But what I realised was this provided a low-pressure experimental environment. We're not caring too much about the subject matter, and not feeling like you had to be an expert, freed the participants to practice different styles. Whether it was the MC doing kind of a stand-up routine about the modern perils of distraction, or a point of order making an impassioned moral case for the audience to turn off our phones, or one speaker who spun an introductory anecdote about how she always looked out after her younger brother, into a pretty touching monologue about how multiple responsibilities growing up made her the young woman she is now. The open nature of the structure even allowed me to have a go in an improvisation session where I got up to the stage and had to ad-lib immediately from a book title that was randomly given to me Men are from Mars, Women are from Venus. In what felt like a very long two minutes I mumbled a bit about how intimidating it was to follow everyone else in a transparent attempt to buy some goodwill and time to think uh, before I found refuge in a cheap rant about books that everybody references but few people read. So I got paid a bit of my own medicine because then came the feedback. One thing I hadn't known about Toastmasters is that everybody gets pretty Tea, feedback, instant yeah. feedback on your speeches. Uh, uh,
1: sure. Uh, I really, really like how uh, energetic you were. You were funny, but I, th- I
0: think you didn't focus on the story, which is <laughs> what uh, this uh,
2: table topic uh, uh, session was about. And uh, yes, you focused uh, on the on,
0: I think they were pretty kind with the new guy. So afterwards, I caught up with the winner great Um, could you tell me what your name is and where you're from okay
3: my name is Zahra Hashem. I'm from Lebanon Um, which part of Lebanon I'm from the south
0: from the south great and um, I just watched you win uh, what was the title you won best speaker best speaker yes brilliant and this is your first uh, speech
3: yes it's uh, my first speech it's called icebreaker and uh, and its objectives is its objectives are to to disclose uh, a part of your uh, life and introduce yourself to them other members and the audience of them uh, of the club
0: and this was your first speech ever or just your first speech in English?
3: No, it's my first speech in English, uh, first prepared speech. I've uh, uh, participated in uh, impromptu uh, speeches in the table topic uh, part, uh, but it wasn't in my... Uh, I, it's my first speech in English.
0: Amazing. Prepared. And how, how did you prepare for it?
3: Uh, actually, I wrote the speech and I did many rounds of editing. Um, then I practiced once or twice with my mentor and she gave me some comments on the vocals and on the poses in the speech.
0: Oh, so it's an incredible amount of preparation. How long did that all take?
3: Uh, actually, actually writing the speech took me only one hour well, until it,
0: now. <laughs> well, it certainly sounded like it paid off. It was a great speech and well well-deserved award. Thank Thanks you. very much. Thank you. I think you can probably tell I was eventually kind of won over by this totally uncynical humble yet passionate desire for group self-improvement at this club and as we were promptly being kicked out of the room and herded back onto the beirut street um i spoke to the amazingly titled acting sergeant at arms Khadi, who summed up why so many young people were joining and And I noticed that that even the sort of housekeeping notices, even like telling people to keep the time, had to be done in a speech format, so you spend yes. two minutes in a creative way exactly. giving people logistical information
1: yes, because it's, it's because we mainly care about improving the public speaking skills of of our members and their leadership skills. So while keeping the time, they're, they're improving their leadership skills. And while giving the speech, the introduction, they're improving their public speaking skills. And what you mainly do is we improve these skills by practice. So by practice, by giving the small speech, they're improving both their public speaking skills and their leadership skills.
0: And that even extends to like very direct, uh, you know, kind and constructive but quite direct like feedback and evaluation straight away exactly. at the end of end because of the that's how meeting. we learn
1: right if you if you if you do an amazing speech and no one evaluates you because you think it's amazing but of course there are there is there is always a, a way to improve right so if if you if no one no one criticizes you you will you will not be able to know what you did wrong and you will not be able to improve
0: and, and why, why is it important like what why, why why do we need something like this here
1: why do we need public speaking, or yeah. do we need the club?
0: Yeah, or the club. Well, Why do we need public speaking? Why do the people who come here need it?
1: Um, I'll tell you my story. Uh, I'm an engineering student. I'm actually doing my masters in engineering now, and like, um, I, I, before I joined the club, I didn't care about this stuff, about public speaking, about leadership skills. But when I, when I started looking for jobs, I, I. I realized that uh, these skills are the most important skills that you will will use later on in your job. Uh, If I want to apply for a job, I'm going to need to have uh, presentation skills, I'm going to need to have very good communication skills that I earned because of Toastmasters, uh, I need to have leadership skills. These are the, the skills that are that differ you from other people nowadays. Like everybody has, uh, has, has a degree, everybody has high grades, but these are, these are the skills that will make you better than the other people, so you will be chosen um, for a better position, let's say.
0: And is there anything apart from working skills, apart from professional skills, that you've gotten out of it or you think people have gotten out of it?
1: Uh, Out of this club, yes, of course, it's hugely it hugely enhances your, uh, boosts your <laughs> self confidence because at the end of the day you're speaking in front of people that you do not know most of the time. Uh, every week we have new mem- we have new guests, new people. Sometimes old people, sometimes young people. So that that will that will boost your self confidence in a way that you will not imagine. And it had happened to me. I'm saying I'm saying that out of experience, actually. Yeah. Did
0: you have a difficult like was it difficult at the beginning yeah
1: it was so difficult at the beginning but uh, but the good thing about this club is that they they are super supportive they they do not judge they do evaluate you but they do not judge you because at the end of the day we are here to learn so you will not learn unless you you do something wrong you you will learn from your mistakes
0: I noticed there was one there was a couple of guys there who seemed like they were quite nervous they were struggling a little bit at first they they had to stop and start a couple of times but the the, the, there was quite a lot of love in the room, wasn't there? Everyone it was, was trying to support
1: them, exactly, and that's like that's how that's why they keep on going out, going out on stage over and over again. And each time, you can see them improving, and that that makes us feel so so much better. Like we feel that we're doing something, and and that's why us as a cabinet, we're so happy. And
0: fancy it, with 16,000 clubs in 142 countries, there's a high chance there's a Toastmasters club near you. Okay, so I'm a history nerd. So one of the reasons I love cities so much is because when I picture any period of modern history, I'm almost always seeing a cityscape, whether it's Berlin for the Cold War, or Manchester for the Industrial Revolution. And one reason I love political speeches is because they get used as a bit of a shortcut to just label everything that a politician or the government or an era does afterwards. Think of the Blitz and it's Churchill's fight them on the beaches. Think of civil rights and it's I have a dream. If there's one city that defines the Arab Spring, it's Cairo, and specifically Tahrir Square, where their revolution kicked off. And if there's one speech that defines the West's approach to the Middle East for the past decade, it's a speech that President Obama gave in 2009, just 10 minutes across the Nile from Tahrir Square in the University of Cairo. And it's often just called the Cairo speech.
1: President Obama reaching out to the Muslim world today, delivering a highly anticipated speech in Cairo earlier this morning, but his remarks there could ignite controversy
2: here. in From the Gaza Strip, to Kabul, to Washington, D.C., the world held its breath as alaykum as President Obama made his historic speech to the Muslim world.
4: It was a speech intended to reset the tone in a troubled relationship.
0: I'm going to dive into specific bits of the speech itself. But to do that, I wanted to get the perspective of someone who was there from the Egyptian side. So who better than the ultimate authority on Egyptian speech making advertising guru, Professor Sami Abdelaziz, described as the PR mastermind behind Hosni Mubarak's 2005 presidential campaign, and as the Dean of Cairo University's Faculty of Mass Communication, the person who arranged Obama's speech from the Egyptian side. I met him in the opulent bar of the Cairo Marriott Hotel, which is why there's some annoying tinkling in the background, uh, along with the faint sound of imposter syndrome, Uh, And I asked him what it was like to be in the wings behind the stage as President Obama and his team prepared.
4: This is happened again when Obama came to Egypt. In 2009? Yes. And I was the man who was representing Kerry University for the communication. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. The team... I was training Mr. Obama how to say in Arabic,
2: Assalamualaikum,
4: the Arabic Solutions.
2: I'm also proud to carry with me the goodwill of the American people and a greeting of peace from Muslim communities in my country. Assalamualaikum.
4: Opening of the speech is a very critical issue, how to open your speech, how to eat my heart, See how to be close to my heart. How to eat my heart? My heart, of course. Yeah. How to, to be close to my heart. Yeah. How to give me the impression that you do respect my culture Yes. and my way of saying hello. You can say, okay, good afternoon, good morning, this is normal. But when he says in Arabic, assalamu alaikum, it means a lot. He was an actor. By the way, a part of the performance of any public figure is acting. It is acting, believe me.
0: The fact that Professor Abdulaziz went straight for that opening soundbite as his go-to anecdote and went back to it a couple more times was telling. In the West... The initial reaction was to some pretty significant bits of actual content in the speech that have been debated fiercely ever since. Fox News had already dubbed his visit to the Middle East as the apology tour, and they didn't think much of his declaration on torture either.
2: Just as America can never tolerate violence by extremists, we must never alter or forget our principles. 9-11 was an enormous trauma to our country. The fear and anger that it provoked was understandable. But in some cases, it led us to act contrary to our traditions and our ideals. We are taking concrete actions to change course. I have unequivocally prohibited the use of torture by the United States, and I have ordered the prison at Guantanamo Bay closed by early next year.
1: Reaction now from Mark Thiessen. He is a speechwriter, was a speechwriter for former President George W. Bush. Mark, it's fascinating when I read your talking points as somebody who was responsible for actually drafting the words our former president would say at a forum like this to get your take on this speech and in particular that comment uh, about how we handled or mishandled the aftermath of 9-11. Your thoughts.
3: Well, I'll tell you one thing. President Bush would have never uh, criticized our military or our intelligence community on foreign soil. I mean, the fact that he said that 9-11, we compromised our principles, he basically threw our military and our intelligence community under the bus in front of a Muslim audience.
0: And recognize this voice. The world
2: state, I think many of the themes the president touched on uh, were laudable, but there were very troubling aspects of the speech as well. I didn't uh, I think, I think uh, many millions of Americans cherish our strong support uh, for the state of Israel. Mm-hmm. And there was a sense in, in here of, uh, of moral equivalency uh, between uh, those who would, uh, are driving for a Palestinian state uh, and the state of Israel. I think first and foremost, the, the people of the United States stand with Israel. Yeah.
0: That was fresh-faced Congressman Mike Pence. Like the rest of us, probably never imagined he would be vice president, who didn't like that Israel and Palestine got the same treatment of Obama's kind of classic speaking style, neither blue nor red, but purple. Which came first, the rhetoric or the two-state peace process approach that massively changed the U.S.-Israel relationship? It's up for debate. But doesn't it kind of feel like a far-off land now to talk about a time when every word of a president's speech would be carefully crafted and poured over for subtle hints? Because unlike pretty much every other politician, when the American president speaks on foreign soil, it isn't just for audiences back home. Even if the US's diplomatic and economic power is slipping, they know they're still the most widely broadcasted head of state globally, and that means something. Like no other speech in the world, apart from maybe the Oscars, everyone's taking it personally. Obama's speech about the relationship with the Muslim world did have another larger audience, the Muslim world. And
4: look, the program they did for him, the location he visited, he didn't go to Azhar. He went, they invited him to visit the mosque. The name is Sultan Hasan. Why? Ask why. What's the significance of Al-Azhar Mosque? It is. A piece of art.
2: For over a thousand years, Azhar has stood as a beacon of Islamic learning. And for over a century, Cairo University has been a source of Egypt's advancement.
0: The gestures that the president makes the itinerary that he visits, and the photo of them stepping off the plane. These all blur together in our memories more than any specific content. Well, there's plenty of meticulous crafting there too. And it was a big part of his speech as
4: well, wasn't it? Um, about Islam. phrasing, yes. the artistry. Yes, about Islam, about tolerance, about the civilization, about the art. I hear, but I'm not quite sure that not less ten persons wrote the speech of Mr. Logan. Really? Ten persons coming from different backgrounds. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It is a very good thing because no one can write a comprehensive speech in, in, a, in a country outside your country. One coming from the Islamic background. One comes from the historical background. One comes from the political background, you see? And one of economic, and social, and cultural. you see? At the end of the day, there is what we call a finalizer copywriter who mm. took all the contributions from different persons and then do the structure of the speech. And then they train him how to stress some letters, some words.
0: And that's where the uh, the pronunciation of salam alaykum came. This in. this is one of one of them. of, of,
4: of the, uh, the topics. But I'm sure that when he said that Islam, why he is said Islam in this way, mm. to, to to show that he understand the roots of the religion, even. He is artificial, he is acting, but at the end of the day, he achieved is goal.
0: When Obama's presidency ended and commentators in the West looked back at it, they mostly fell into the same camps as everyone does on Obama. Praising the hope generated and the contrast with what came before and after, or criticising the hopes raised and the contrast with what we have now. But if the most important audience was the Muslim world, and it was a speech intended to reset the tone in a troubled relationship, then it achieved its goal, at least according to Professor Sammy. Whether that achievement is safe, well, we're starting to come up against the limits of what a speech can do.
2: I know there's been a lot of publicity about this speech, but no single speech can eradicate years of mistrust. Nor can I answer in the time that I have this afternoon all the complex questions that brought us to this point. But I am convinced that in order to move forward, we must say openly to each other the things we hold in our hearts, and that too often are said only behind closed doors. There must be a sustained effort to listen to each other, to learn from each other, to respect one another, and to seek common ground. As the Holy Quran tells us, be conscious of God and speak always the truth.
0: so much for listening to this episode of Shiver Down Spine. Please do subscribe, it's on iTunes and other podcast feeds now, (laughs) because there's more coming from my overland trip into and across Europe. I'll look at how speech incited horrific violence and how non-violent rock music responded. I'll check out the single slab of concrete which stood under some of the greatest speeches of the last century. And I will continue describing where I'm standing with traffic in the background.